0: I know the title is the same. Lord, tame my tongue. Don't let the title put you to sleep. Does uh, that v- verse we used the first week, Proverbs eighteen twenty one? Does this first mean anything to you yet? Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Anybody see any changes going on in your tongue? And how you're using it and how you're reorchestrating the words that you use and how you're surrendering areas of your tongue so that you're speaking words that are precise, words of power, words of life, words of lifting up people. There was a, a mild-mannered man, kind of a Clark Kent. He was middle-aged, overweight. He uh, was pr- principal of a school. He, uh, up until this one point, felt like, well, I haven't really seen anything major. you know. But every day he got up, he read his word, He prayed, he went to school, he encouraged the kids, he disciplined kids, he met with teachers and was doing just a routine life. And he might say his life was a little boring. And sometimes being a Christian, especially you young people think, oh, Christianity is boring. Well, it has its boring points. But if you keep sowing those seeds, things happen. This man decided he was going to take a little vacation over in the islands and, you know, was... Uh, Flew to his first uh, destination. He was in Canary Islands and getting on his plane and getting ready to go. And all of a sudden, the plane was hit by another plane. There was a KLM pilot who had just been named the greatest pilot uh, in flying in the airlines of that day. And this was, I think it was 1975. But somehow he ignored instructions from the, the tower, and he started taxing down a runway where another plane was crossing. And he tried at the last minute to try to leapfrog that, that plane and he tried to pull up, but he didn't have enough power and he landed on top of the other plane. It was one of the, I think it was the greatest disaster in aviation history. Over 500 and some people died because it was the jumbo jet crashes. But this man who was mild-mannered, when fire began to sweep through the cabin, said all of a sudden he began to call on the Lord. And he said he stood up, and he saw people around him beginning to melt in the flames and begin to, to succumb, and he saw fear coming on people, and he, he he just called on the Lord. He said he jumped up. He goes, here I am, a, a heavy middle-aged man, and I'm, I'm calling on the Lord, and I'm jumping, I'm moving. He said, then the next thing I find myself, I'm out on this wing, and it's 30 feet off the ground, and, and I'm calling on the Lord again, and I'm out. And he goes, I'm off rolling on the ground, and I'm gone, and I escaped disaster. And he said, when I needed it, God was there. What he had been doing year after year after year and building into a spiritual life paid off when he needed it. And the, the temptation we have is in our natural mind and the things around us to think what we're doing spiritually has of no value, has no consequence. It's not gonna do me any good. And, you know, there's an excitement today. I felt this prophetic when I got up and shared today, and I don't always feel the prophetic, but you can feel the moment of that prophetic. You can feel the atmosphere of what God's saying and doing today, but when you go out today... And when you go out during the week, there's going to be temptation to say, yeah, it's working for everyone else. And something else trying to pull you in a different direction. Something trying to say, you know what? I don't feel like I'm going to read the word today. I don't think I'm going to pray. It's not working. But if you'll pull yourself back in, if you'll restrain yourself, you will build into your life something that's going to be meaningful. We are praying and contending for the miraculous. We are praying every Sunday in pre-service prayer. We start At 9.30, we start praying and we stir ourselves up seeking God, asking for the miracles, asking for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, asking that every gift that the New Testament talks about to be operating in the body of Christ, that all those gifts will be operating in this church because God has a lot of people He wants to bring into His kingdom. He has a lot of disciples He wants to make. He has a lot of work for us. But first, we have to come into that school of obedience and submitting ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're in, and that's what part of this mesh is, is about. Our key verse today is Matthew twelve thirty four. Jesus said, Out of the fullness, the overflow, the superabundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We kind of focused last week, began to talk a little bit about brokenness, about those things that are in our life that have hurt us, and they try to define and restrict of who we are today. And it's one thing to have Jesus, but when you have areas that are broken, areas of woundedness, areas of pain. It's kind of hard to move forward. And I felt it's just not one Sunday that we're going to talk about last week. I feel like we're supposed to talk about it again. God wants to go to the depths of areas in your life that are holding you back. Depths of, of life experiences that are restricting you from the activity of the Holy Spirit and what God wants to do in your life. He doesn't want you to be a mediocre Christian. He wants you to be an overcomer. He wants you to be that person like when everyone else is, is numb and just going along with the flow and coming under uh, even death that you're the one that begins to call on the Lord because you've established a relationship with Him in your spirit and you're actively pursuing God and you're actively calling on His name and revelation comes. Why? Because you've linked Between your spirit and God, you've sowed seeds, you've read the word, and in the time when you need it, the Holy Spirit will come on the scene, and you'll find yourself doing things that you normally wouldn't do. Does our speech reveal brokenness? Is my brokenness revealed? I have to say, this message worked on me. I have these areas and walls, again, because how I was raised, uh, rejection, being bullied, depression, overweight, you know, not... a. Considering myself a loser, you know, I have areas where I just build walls. Doing church, seeing people leave God, seeing people not fulfill has kind of worked negatively on me. And sometimes I start building these walls. And so my wife and daughter really called it out on me this Sunday. Interesting on Sunday that you're vulnerable after you minister and you get worked on. Well, I had to... I, had a, I was so upset that they were trying to pull something out of me. I, I was tired. I didn't have any relational energy left, but really I didn't want to have any relation. I was guarding myself. My wounds of the past were re-triggered by life experiences and things that I'm going through. And so I, the next day I just began to apologize and I felt God really just show me why I have my walls. It, it's, it's back to those experiences that are there my woundedness, my brokenness. But as I began to talk with my wife, she was very excited because I was giving her a lot of words. I was being honest about what I was going through. I was honest about what I was feeling and really connected us, you know, more than, than usual. And so what I'm presenting to you is something I'm getting worked on myself. Why? Because as we're healed and as we're being, beginning to get free and as we're touching those areas that are strongholds in our lives, we begin to speak positive words. We begin to restore ourselves back in relationship with people. You know, it's not just about you and God, but because you're connected with God, it starts, in, it starts enhancing your relationships. It starts restoring relationships back to what Jesus intended, yes. that process that we're all going through. Um, in Proverbs 18.14, a wounded and broken spirit. The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble. But a weak and broken spirit, who can raise up? A strong spirit of man sustains him. That's what I focus on. If you've been here a while, I'm always telling you, get strong in spirit. That's what helps you to arise above the pain, whatever pain, if it's emotional pain, if it's mental pain, if it's physical pain. Getting strong in spirit as you're waiting for God to do something, makes you strong, gives you the ability to stand against whatever pain you're facing, to stand against whatever unbelief is facing you, to stand against whatever mountain is oppressing and holding itself against you, to stand against whatever promises don't seem to be coming to pass, whatever God has confirmed in your heart, and yet you don't see it happening. The strong spirit in man, it's women too. It's, that spirit is called man. We were created in God's image. Man, man and woman. The strong spirit of man. That's what causes you to make yourself be disciplined, to make yourself do spiritual exercise, to knock, to seek and ask, even to get angry and wrestle with God. This isn't happening. God, what do you want to change in me? God, what do you want to do in my life? I want to see you. You know that song we, we sang. I want to see your beauty. I want to experience your glory to be bold like Moses. I want to see you. I want to see your glory. You know, God just waiting, but he wants to see how intent we are in pursuit of him. How much do we want God? And we, it's easy for us to get into a passive place. I've been a passive Christian so many different times and seasons in my life, but it just gives way to like, I can stand it no longer. I got to have a breakthrough. I got to experience you. And that's what happens on Sunday morning when we start pre-service prayer. Oh my, I'm not on the runway. My landing gear is collapsed. But as we start stirring ourselves, we say, Jesus, help us. Jesus, Holy Spirit, come. We need you to revive us. Holy Spirit, help us as we intercede about today, about people coming in and what they need. They don't just need to hear another word. I mean, you can get going on the internet and just hear words, but you need to have a vital connection with the Holy Spirit. You need God to speak to you, and that's why we have this service. That's why we have worship. That's why there's pre-service prayer, to set up the atmosphere. That's why we have a prophetic mic. We want God to move on you, and we want the Word of the Lord to come to you so you get up and you share it with people, that you come prepared, that you're stirring yourself, that God can use you however He wants to use you. So the strong spirit of man sustains him, In bodily pain or trouble, but a weak or broken spirit, who can raise up? And again, brokenness all around us. And so often, the brokenness is right inside of us. So often, we're going through the motions. I've done this so much in my Christian life. You're going through the motions, and yet my heart is far from God. I'm disconnected. I'm locked up. I'm in the desert. Or my soul is so down that I can't even give God a praise. These are real conditions. This is what God wants to bring healing to. Our heart is our personal well. Our heart and spirit are synonymous in the Bible. Our heart is where our feelings and our desires come from. Our heart is what's born again, and it's our spirit that's saved and has relationship and communion with God. Your heart is your well. Your heart is the source of life, and that's why, you know, Paul encourages us in the New Testament to stir ourselves up. That's why we have to stir ourselves up when we start prayer uh, on, at 9.30. 30. man, at 9.30, it's dead in there. But after a few minutes, it starts warming up. It starts getting intense. Some of you come in, like, some of you come in at the tail end and it's already climaxed or gotten high and then dropped off. When we're wounded, our heart and emotions are affected. The spirit and soul of man so meshed together that whatever we experience in our soul, whatever tragic events, whatever wounding, whatever words that hurt us affect our our heart. So our soul has such control. Our, is, it's our will. It has such power over our experience of God and our experience of life. And that's what needs healing. In John 7, 38, Jesus said, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The Holy Spirit flows through your heart, flows through your reborn spirit. But you have to be a participant. You have to activate it. And I know there's a fine line between works and grace. And there might be seasons where, man, you're going to prayer and you're reading your Bible and you leave there thinking, where are you? I was here. Where were you? And sometimes we get a little angry at God, but keep going there. Keep presenting your emotions. Keep presenting your disappointments. Like, God, I'm here. Where are you? But keep telling yourself, God's hearing me. God's working. Pray against the enemy. Lord, I just pray against Satan. Lord, bind Satan that he's not distancing my spirit from you. That that uh, he's causing me to be out of tune in my spirit in that spiritual sensitivity I have through my spirit to discern God's voice and to hear what he's saying. The enemy is moving on our mind and he moves on our emotions. Those are the two things. Our mind, our will, and emotions. And if he can overwhelm us in that, we're not tuned in to our heart and our spirit, which is connecting with God and wants to connect It wants to hear from God. In James 3.12, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. So in this place of our spring and our heart, God wants to change the flow. God wants to break up whatever damages there are, whatever blocks there are from us connecting with God, hearing from Him and receiving from Him and having that communion and interaction with Him. You know, it was almost two years ago Bob McGregor gave us a prophetic word about the hardness of the ground spiritually in Hollister, and we've been praying for almost two years. The intercessory group, every pr- practically almost every week, we pray about redigging the wells. He said, "Redig the wells." And when we went away at the end of January, our advisors and we took some intercessors with us, and we spent like just a couple of days in intense meetings and, and intercessors praying, and then we'd get together and talk what we feel like God is saying, you know. Dory had this word one morning, and it's Genesis 26, 12 through 15. And if you read through the section, there is so much meat in this section. And so it kind of re-emphasized what we had been praying about, and it just hit home again the power of when God takes a scripture and wants to apply it to a congregation and to a people. Then Isaac sowed seed in that land and received in the same year a hundred times as much as he had planted, and the Lord favored him with blessings. And Isaac became great and gained more and more until he became a very wealthy and distinguished. He owned flocks and herds and a great supply of servants. And the Philistines envied him. You know, it's great when, I mean, can you imagine in his time, he, he was, his fields were producing more. He was growing in every way, servants and everything. And yeah, your enemy is going to, Envy, kind of like what Patrick was mentioning in his, in what he read to us today. You know, people are upset when you're blessed. The enemy is upset when you're happy in God. The enemy is upset when you're worshiping in the midst of pain. The enemy is upset when you're stay faithful to God. When everything He's trying to do and every opportunity He's trying to give you is to separate you from God, is to make you give up. Envy, it's an activity of Satan. It's a distraction. It's something he uses to discourages us. Verse fifteen Now all the wells which Isaac's father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had closed and filled with earth. I just want to give you a nugget right now. We feed a lot of times on other people. We feed on ministers. I can remember being a fat little baby under earnest, there for thirty years, just a fat little baby. But there comes a time when you've got to be able to dig wells for yourself. There has to be a time when it comes to you to say, you know what, I can pray for myself, like Patrick also mentions, There's times when you're alone. And why am I alone? God is wanting you to know how to eat for yourself. God's wanting you to know how to dig for your own problem and get your own answer. It's time for each one of us to rise up in spirit, to rise up in our call of God, to rise up in our personal relationship with God and walk in a new way. So... Father Abraham, the great guy, had dug all these wells. Now the enemy has filled them up. And I want to propose to you today what well in your spiritual life, in your spirit, has been plugged up by disappointment, by disillusionment, by time, by bitterness, by unforgiveness, by pain, by being a victim, or, being, or doing something where you caused another person to be a victim. It it works both ways. You can either be a victim or someone who caused pain, and Satan's going to work both of us. He's going to work the victim. He's going to work the one who was the, the victimizer. And you can walk your whole life in guilt and just barely be saved, but you're constantly bombarded by guilt and what you did. I tell you, the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to walk you out of that. The blood of Jesus is powerful enough. It's time the body of Christ gets free, free from our past Free from what was done to us, Jesus leveled the playing field when he died for the sins of the world. He died for the self-righteous. He died for the unrighteous. All have sinned, it says, and come short of God's glory. But he died for us. Why? To raise us up. To cause us to be new people in Christ to cause us to be overcomers, to cause us to rise above the stuff in this world and the stuff that would tear us away from our relationship with God, the stuff that would destroy our relationships and family, the stuff that would destroy our relationships with each other. We are doing a remodel here. Some of you may have your own opinions or whatever. You know, every so often you have to do stuff in your house because stuff is just falling apart. And so when you upgrade you try to make things a little bit more acceptable, modern. So you're going to see things happening. And if you don't agree, don't grumble about it. Come and ask us. We'll talk to you. But don't hack away what God's doing in the spirit. We are growing. We are growing spiritually. We're going to grow numerically. We're, redoing, we're, we're remodeling the house. Are we doing it cheap? We are trying to do it as cheap as possible. Don't let anything caused you to murmur about your brother or sister. If you have legitimate concerns, come to us. Talk to him. If your brother is bugging you, go talk to them. Work it out. I tell you, God is trying to bring us together, but I'm telling you, Satan's going to try to divide us. He hates unity. He hates that we stop gossiping, bickering, slandering. He hates it. He hates (laughs) marriages that are not communicating. And if you're not communicating your marriage, be like me. Start communicating. You better give in because the spouse God gave you is going to keep on you. You're not going to get away with it. And it's better. It's better once you work through things. I have to tell you, it's better now this week since I talked. My wife is happy with me and I haven't even had to say as much because she's happy with me. So our well represents our heart and where the water flows from. So wouldn't it be interesting how Satan would have us be angry and bitter. So the words that we put out are negative, damning, cursing words. They're not filled with power of life. They're filled with the power of death. They're destructive. They're cursing. You know, in the car, how often are we saying things? You idiot. What is wrong with you? And then five minutes later, we're doing the same thing that guy just did that we call an idiot. You know, it's that bitterness that feeds the enemy, and it feeds our our anger. We want control. We covered that this week in our in our um, uh, the sovereignty of God. That that we want control. We want to have control, and we don't have any control. Control is an illusion. And so we're angry inside. We're bitter inside. And God's saying, you tell me about it. You give it. Surrender your heart. Surrender everything that's making you bitter. Surrender all those things that are bugging you. Because I want the flow to come out of you to be powerful. I want it to be life-giving. I want it to be restorative. I want you to be, have power in your relationships. I want you to speak words that are going to see people totally healed and transformed. And you can say, wow. You know, when you get up and prophesy, you feel like, Whoa. God came out of my tongue? Whoa. It's very, it's very exciting to let God use us. Hurtful words are the earth that stops the water of the spirit. To dig is to remove the wounds that stop God's life. David in his psalm threw this prayer out in Psalms, one, Psalms, Psalms 19, 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Are my heart's thoughts good? What are the meditations going on? You know, sometimes we have just have to analyze. What am I meditating about? What am I angry or frustrated about? What words of, re- of negativity or perverseness are in my heart? What imaginations are going on? Oh, God, my thoughts are not right right now. The meditations of my heart are evil. They're perverted. God, I surrender my heart. I belong to you. My heart belongs to you. Satan has been taking advantage of my mind, and because he uses my feelings, my thoughts, my mind, my body, I think I'm this this horrible sinner. No, I surrender my mind. The enemy is trying to take my mind over. He's trying to use me for evil. Lord, I surrender it to you. Yes. He cares about us. He loves us. He hears those kind of prayers. He knows Our limitations, that's why Jesus died. That's why the Holy Spirit moves in. And the Holy Spirit's pushy. Let him be pushy. He wants to push stuff out. He wants to reorganize your home. He wants to redecorate. You know, we like our old chairs and everything. He wants to redecorate. Let him. Let him redecorate you. You're going to be more beautiful. You're going to be up to date. God promises to heal our brokenness. In Psalms 147.3, the psalmist wrote, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. That's a promise that he heals our heart. You need to ask yourself this question. Do I have any unhealed areas? You may have a whole boatload. Take one little piece at a time. Take the first and predominant thing that you have going on in your heart that you are hurt with and start dealing with God. If you're offended with God, start there. Because once that breaks, a lot of other things will flow a little easier and being restored in what God wants to do in your life. Uh, The Strong's definition of heals, become fresh. Oh, can you imagine not having the weight of a wound? You know, there's the healing that we're seeking, the healing we're praying for you, is the healing where you're no longer tormented by that thing. That, yeah, you could have a maybe little recall of it, but it doesn't have the weight on you anymore that it's had. It doesn't leave you with a weight of depression and grief and heaviness that it once had. That's the deliverance and healing we're talking about. We can't heal ourselves. And I thank God for the words of wisdom, for wise counselors, for uh, prophetic um, Bible uh, counseling for times of going to uh, a counselor, which I've done, going to a professional counselor. But there comes a time when you've got counseling and then you start digging, you and the Holy Spirit. You have enough. You've talked about it enough. You've dealt with enough that you move from that victimization. You move from that wound into the healed person. So become fresh, completely healed. Heal the process. Healed the process complete. Physician, Jesus, the healing specialist, reappeared. The new person, the new man, the new creation in Christ, now having a debut, now walking down the runway of life for all to see, for people who once saw you as you were, seeing who is this new person, I I think they're the same. I think I know them. But what's the difference about them? Because the Holy Spirit begins to change your very countenance. The very Spirit of God rises up in your spirit, and you look different. You act different. There's a smile on your face. There's a gleam in your eye. There's something deep in your spirit. There's something deep in your soul that's been transforming. And you're not that person who is a victim anymore. You're not that wounded person anymore. You're a new creation in Christ. You've risen up above that. It's your past. I heard someone say to me recently, I'm an overcomer. I don't, even, I don't even talk the way I used to talk. And I said, I'm so glad you're, hearing, you're telling me that. If people only knew the process you went through to get that healing. Sometimes we shoot a prayer up. We have a pain. We shoot a prayer up. We think, okay, instantaneous healing. It doesn't happen. We give up. No. We need to be more intense about the spiritual things than we are natural things. Sometimes we'll wait in line at Christmas time. Overnight we'll camp for one thing and then someone got it right before I got it. Where is our intensity to have the freedom? Because we are going to be going into eternity and we want everything that we're to get now to carry over for all of eternity. We're going to be glad when we get on the other side that we persevered. We're going to be glad that we dug deep. We're going to be glad that we didn't leave any stone unturned, that we didn't leave any place in our life for the enemy to restrict and hold us. So we get on the other side and we say, oh, this, all that was mine and I didn't take advantage of, of it? We perished because of our unbelief our lack of faith, but God is the one we go to and we say, God, help my unbelief. God, help me to keep growing. I'm missing it. You know, he is very, at times he got really stern with his disciples when they weren't catching and he said, where's your faith? But he kept working with them. They kept asking him, God, where do we miss it? It's okay to mess up, but ask him, where do I miss it? Don't give up because you make mistakes. It's so easy in our lives. When we make a mistake, we give up. We stop growing. Let's keep making mistakes and keep growing. Keep moving forward with the Lord. Brokenhearted, the definition, collapsed. Crush. Crushed is the painful process. Crushed is when we're fully broken. Deeply affected in spirit, soul, and body. Hurt, being injured, the wounding of the heart and soul. Heart, the definition. The inner man. The mind, the will, and the emotion. Those parts that you can't Touch, but you feel when your soul is wounded, it almost feels physical. Your heart connected with your your pain in your soul; they're they're enmeshed. That's why we can walk in in bitterness, we can walk in oppression, we can walk in discouragement, because they're effects of what's going on in our life, and they pull our emotions in. They they cause us to be discouraged, and, and it's like heavy. It's heavy on us. It causes our outlook to be dismal, to be full of unbelief, to only see the negative and not the positive in how God's working. In Isaiah 61, see, I, I, was, I started reading the other night in a book that I read regular, but I hadn't read in a while. And I, I started reading in Matthew, and it just brought me to the scripture. In Isaiah sixty-one. I was so glad that I was, I, I was obedient just to my heart there's sometimes you just have a knowing. I need to go do this. And so here I'm reading in three other places in the Bible, four other places in the Bible, and I went to the book of Matthew. And the cross reference was this, Isaiah 61 one two, God said, or he, or he had prophesied to Isaiah. And Isaiah prophesied that Jesus would come to comfort all who mourn. Some of you are mourning. Some of you are in the process to start mourning because you're going to reopen those places of wounds and you're finally going to get rid of it. You're going to give the tears that you've withheld because sometimes holding on to a wound means you have control, especially if you were a victim. But God is asking for you to have forgiveness because only when you have forgiveness are you free. And only as you're free, is that's another place where your well becomes unplugged and unstopped. And so you have to give yourself permission to mourn and to grieve. Jesus came to comfort all who mourn. Does that mean someone's left out? All. Whenever it says all in the Bible, it means everybody. He comes to comfort all who mourn. You know, and sometimes we refuse to be comforted. And he's saying, bring your pain to me. Bring your brokenness to me. Bring your woundedness to me. I am the one. I am your healer. I am the one that has to, to restore you. You know, sometimes before, you know, we, we kind of wallow in our pain because we don't see what he's doing. And he asks us to surrender where we're at now, to surrender our pain now so that we can get a vision of the future, so that what is next can come to us. But if we're stuck in grief, we're just going around in circles and we can't break out and see what he has in the next season of our life. In Matthew 5, 4, Jesus said, Blessed is... Enviable, happy, with a happiness produced by the experience of God's favor, and especially conditioned by the revelation of His matchless grace, are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Maybe you need to start speaking that to us. I am deeply wounded, but you know what, soul? I am going to be healed. Soul, I am going to come out of grief. Soul, my wound is going to go away. Soul. Rejoice in God, because God is going to take me out of the valley of the shadow of death. That Psalms 23 verse is only temporary. Just like a storm cloud, a storm, storm system that comes in, it comes in... It's dark. It's rainy. It's dismal. It's cold, but it dumps its rain. It goes on. When you go through mourning, God lifts the cloud. He lifts the spirit of heaviness and joy can return to you and you can be happy again. And you think, why am I happy? This happened to me. It's because God is bringing you to a healing process. You're forgetting those things which are behind. Remember what I said last week? Don't look back. You're not going that way. There comes a place where you stop looking back because you're not going that way any longer. Continue in Genesis 26, verse 16. Dig again. You know, sometimes we start this process, we're digging on those wounds, we have some measure of success, it's almost like, okay, thank you, Jesus. It's not finished. Sometimes we get a little healing and then we're we're going off our own way again, we're drifting from God. No, you got healing from God, stay Stay with God. Keep in that relationship. There's going to be more digging. There are layers. There are things that block the flow of God's power in our life. And only in digging our own wells are we going to experience the freedom that he has for us. Verse 16 of Genesis 26. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we are. When you start growing in are free, people don't want you around them. They want to stay in a pity party. They want to stay in their oppression. It's too much work to dig out of pain. But you keep growing anyway. You pray for them. Don't let, you know, sometimes too, we come under other people. I, I did this myself. My dad, part of my depression was, I so loved my dad, and I wanted him to come out of depression. I wanted him to come out of the post-traumatic experience from World War II. And the pain and loss he had as a young 17-year-old who was drafted and went to war and saw things no one should ever see. And so I remember all my times when I would talk to him, get him to talk about his experience and get him to talk with me and the prayers I prayed for him. That affected me. That's why I grew up listening to 40s music. I couldn't tell you about the music in the 60s and the 70s. I was listening to Glenn Miller. I was so under what my dad went through. It didn't really start changing until 1996. When I saw with my dad, when I saw Saving Private Ryan, something began to break off of me. I realized it wasn't, it's not my time, but because I love my dad, I came under. And I allowed an oppression. I allowed a discouragement to settle over me that should never have settled. But I thank God because all the years I've, I've, since I accepted Christ as a young person and stayed under that God is the one that was turning it for good. God was the one who was bringing me into a freedom. And so even though you may have linked with someone because you love them and because you came under something, I tell you, it's time. It, it's, it becomes time where you're free. It, it becomes time when you can live again and be the person that God has made you to be. And it's God who can restore what you've lost. The enemy can't. By pursuing all these other things, won't do it. Pursuing other relationships, won't do it. You're going to get broken over and over again until you surrender to God and ask for his sincere plan in your life. Verse 17. So Isaac went away from there and pitched his tent in the vale of Gerar, and he dwelt there. There has to be a place in our Christian life where we put our roots down. And we say, I don't understand this, but I know. I know you're real. I don't understand what I'm going through. I don't understand the pain. I don't understand any of this. I'm frustrated, God. I'm, my relationships are messed up. I'm disappointed. I'm not happy. Where is this happy Christian life? But there comes a place where you put, you, you put down roots like Isaac did, and you determine you're going to dig. He dwelt there. He put down his roots. It was all in preparation for digging again. There was determination in Isaac's spirit. He was A generational call was on him. Part of the inheritance the whole earth would be blessed was going to be because it was passed through Abraham. And Isaac was the promised son. We are all promised sons and daughters because it was through Abraham all the world would be blessed. Every generation after that because Jesus came through that generation. So Isaac was, already had the natural blessings, but now he was in the place of going deeper. He wanted the spiritual blessings. You know, it comes to that place too when, when you see how blessed you are in God, it's not enough. You kind of look beyond your blessings and you want the blesser. You want the one who gave you the blessing. You want the one who's taken you through the process. You want him more than ever because what gets established in our heart when we accept Jesus is so much greater than anything the world tries to offer. And yes, all of us try different things for, for a while and we get, oh, so disillusioned. They're so empty. They're so, you get the new car and then we have, we're ended up with new car payments. You know? Verse 18. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which had been dug in the days of Abraham his father for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. The first couple of weeks we talked about the effects of gossip and slander. Those things that stop up the wells in our heart that stop the flow of the Holy Spirit. But couldn't some of those blocks in our wells be rooted in unforgiveness I felt like God just downloaded this to me the other night, too. I'm always aware. I put my message together. I work on it all week. I'm praying. And then I always know, know for me, come Friday, come Saturday, sometimes even Sunday morning, new nuggets come, and the word comes alive. In 2 Corinthians two, ten and 11, when we forgive, we stop Satan. This is kind of a key verse. Now, whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So we have clearly spelled out today that one thing that Satan is using against us personally and against this body is unforgiveness. When we have unforgiveness, we don't realize it but we're blocked with God. Our mind can have a mental ascent that, yeah, I'm connected with God, but our heart can be disconnected because unforgiveness separates us from God. And it also separates forgiveness coming to us because we are like the, the, the changing station. We are like the, the middle ground. If we're forgiving, we're letting it out. If we're not forgiving, we've got the valve turned off and the flow can't come. And that's where bitterness starts setting up. That's where hardness of heart starts setting up. And God wants us to be forgiving people those blocks keep us keep us from speaking life we can justify because we have feelings behind unforgiveness and we have thoughts behind unforgiveness our self is self protective so when we're wounded it's offering The pity. It's offering the excuses. It's offering feelings that keep us from truly walking in faith and forgiveness. You have your soul, which is your feelings, your mind, and your emotion. When you have those in operation, you can say, I forgive, but those feelings can pull you right back and cause you thinking negative about that person, talking negative about that person, and it keeps you in that cycle, and it's breaking the power of life in your tongue. Remember, from 2 Corinthians 2, 10-11, this be a scripture to mark in your Bible and even memorize that Satan uses unforgiveness as his device to separate us. Unforgiveness causes James 3.11. Unforgiveness causes our tongue to spew bitter water. This was an incredible nugget. In Matthew 6, Jesus lays out a pattern of prayer, daily prayer, things that we're to, we're to pray for every day. And I'm starting in uh, Matthew 6, 11 through 15. Jesus said, pray daily and forgive. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven, left remitted and let go of debts and have given up resentment against our offenders. Whoa. And lead... Bring us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Again, that one, unforgiveness is the door for enemy to work. Deliver us from the evil device of Satan through unforgiveness. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you, Jesus is talking, for if you forgive people their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, leaving them, letting them go and giving up resentments, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, leaving them, letting them go, and giving up resentment, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Whoa. We're hung up right there. You know, remember Paul wrote? I think it's in Romans. Owe no one the debt except the debt of love. I want to propose to you, since this was in, the daily prayer, owe no one forgiveness tomorrow. That means today. Today, I am going to let that, cut that person free today. And I don't know what state you're at, whether you have to really, it's a deep well that's plugged and it's something, it's a deep wound. It's a deep heart issue that's got to be worked through with God. Or you've done enough of that where today you can say, I'm writing it in my Bible. I'm writing it right with these scriptures in Matthew 6, 11 through 15 that I'm forgiving that person who wounded me because I don't want any barrier between me and God. I don't want to be used by Satan. My, my unforgiveness is used by Satan to get advantage of me in my relationships. And you can say this is a done deal. Now, a lot of times when we say I forgive a person, we have sometimes emotional moments when we feel like we forgive. Oh, that person, I forgave them. But then again, a few thoughts, seeing that person, emotions thought that all of a sudden you've already got back on the merry go round and you've taken the offense back and you've taken the forgiveness back. And really you need to say, that's why you need to write it down. You need to say it out loud. Lord, I forgive so-and-so today, today. I surrender it to you. I can't control my feelings and my thoughts, but I officially give them permission that I cut them loose. I forgive them. And then you're, you're going in faith from that moment. Doesn't matter if your feelings get triggered. Doesn't even matter if your thoughts get triggered. You establish, no, I forgave that person because I don't want to be a link for the enemy to be using me with unforgiveness. And I don't want the power of my tongue no longer diminished with bitterness and hurt and anger. But today, you can take time to do that, to get free. In Genesis 26, 18 through 19, and Isaac dug again the well's, Of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham and his father, for the Philistine had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Those names have a prophetic place. And it's interesting that digging those wells brings a new prophetic thing when he named it. And when you put a name to unforgiveness, you're allowing its being dispersed and covered by the blood of Jesus, but you're establishing a fresh prophetic. In, uh, in your mouth and in your tongue. A fresh prophetic to speak the word of God, to speak blessing instead of cursing, to speak love instead of hatred. And you're creating that flow again of God's love to flow through you. Verse 19, Now Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of living spring water. Will you stand with me? Some of you might want to come to the altar and just do a little well digging. Or you might want to just sit there for a few minutes. We have like 12 minutes. And just deal with your heart. What is going on in your heart? Where am I at? Some of you might just take a place of rejoicing. Some of you are going to move forward today because you've done that grieving. But whatever you need to do, let the Holy Spirit bring you into the reality of what God wants to do. When a person's broken heart is healed, their voice gets restored.